0: Close. Hi, I'm here with uh, Leah Darrow. Leah, who's on the show. Hi, uh, We were on the show the other night, and I wanted to ask you uh, just some follow-up questions. Uh, maybe first, if you could give us a thumbnail of your story, thumbnail sketch.
1: Well, I was born and raised Catholic, um, but... Uh, During high school and college, I fell away from that, fell away from the practice of it and slowly began that slow fade just away from it and really started embracing the culture and embracing everything that it had provided for me and really thought Mm -hmm. that that would make me happy and I would experience love and all those great things from that. And I tried really hard at Mm Uh, attaining happiness and attaining love from that, um, and then of course I have a love for fashion, and I found myself on the reality TV show America's Next Top Model. And after I was eliminated, I stayed in New York and modeled. And it was actually during a big photo shoot there in New York that I had this moment where I realized, um, after about spending many years away from the faith, like I had mentioned, that you know I just couldn't do this anymore. It was all coming down, and my heart was telling me something that. Uh, I think my head was trying to pull away from so many times before and I just had to realize the truth and uh, I came back
0: was it a I know on the show you described it as a pretty sudden moment but was it a growing dissatisfaction before that or was it really just sudden a sudden change
1: it was definitely a growing dissatisfaction and I think that was the biggest problem I became more and more dissatisfied with the culture of what it was offering me but instead of turning towards the church turning towards God and Christ I kept seeking the culture more and in deeper and deeper ways thinking okay well I just need more of it to become happier more of it so I I got I went deeper and deeper into it so it was a growing dissatisfaction but it also unfortunately led for me into a deeper dissatisfaction and that led to that moment at that photo shoot of realizing I've had enough and I realized that I had been lied to and I thought that I don't know, for whatever reason, I guess I believed it slowly that, you know, they cared about me, that they loved me in some way, I guess, right. but they don't. And I've right. um, been lied to by this culture, and uh, I finally realized that I can't do this anymore. Right. Yeah.
0: How would you describe, like, the lies of the culture? What, um, how does it entice us?
1: Oh, well, it's very, you know, all that glitters is not gold, Mm -hmm. obviously. But it sure does look good, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? And I think that's what they do. They do a fantastic marketing job of making um, everything of what they're selling look like that's happiness and look like that's what we want. Mm -hmm. But we all know when we are, you know, going into it that we realize it's not working. Mm -hmm. And we keep thinking, well, we must not be doing it right, you know, Mm -hmm. so we must just try harder at it. Mm -hmm. But that's not the point. It, the right. fact is, that was never meant to make us happy.
0: Right. How would you describe, it, especially the pressure on young women today uh, to look good, how would you describe that pressure and the lie of that?
1: Well, there's definitely a pressure I think for perfection mm-hmm. and that's the problem with mm-hmm. that, but I, because I think that with culture today we see perfection within a woman, it's all about her body we never talk about perfection and charity perfection and love perfection and virtue it's always perfection of the body and unfortunately it's not just the body the human body it's body parts so we're taking the human person and now we're just human parts so the human dignity is really being destroyed at a base level even in this culture of fashion culture of entertainment and so it, it, it's attractive for girls in a sense because they think oh I'm gonna look good I'm gonna feel accepted and they have these in you know, a lot of times these body image issues and problems Mm -hmm. like that, and they think that this is going to make them feel better. But we all know it doesn't. What they're doing is, and I know this for a fact, what I was doing was not end up making me feel better at at the day's end. Right.
0: And it it seems like too, like in the media, you you know, it's a very controlled presentation of certain people and, you know, it comes down to body parts, right? And they just show you, you know, very sculpted camera angles and, you know, precise, you know, and it's like, it's not real, right? You don't get a a real vision of the total person.
1: No, these are, um, we are all broken people, Mm. you know, and I think that, you know, first off, almost every single picture that you're ever going to see in a magazine is photoshopped. Uh I mean, we have to look at the truth of this. So, the image that a girl is looking at saying, I want to look like that, well, it's impossible because she doesn't even look like that. So that's a good thing to look at that right Right. there. And first off, I'd really encourage girls, a practical step of stepping away from the culture, battling the culture, is first to realize this is our culture. This is the culture of Christ that He founded over 2,000 years ago when He was on that cross. Mm -hmm. This isn't their culture. This is our game. They're the visitors. This is a home field advantage here. And we need to fight that. Um, and they need to kind of realize that we can make demands of this. To put down the fashion magazines. We know it looks good. We don't need them telling us what they want us to buy. Because that's what it is. That's not fashion influence. They're, de- they're demanding us to buy their pro- products by buying those magazines. And we shouldn't be buying the magazines that have celebrity gossip all over it. This is brokenness splattered across pages. Um, and we really shouldn't be entertaining ourselves by other people's sadness.
0: Right. What about? Um, I just lost my train thought. <laughs> what was my next question? Um, oh, okay. I also wanted to ask you, what is the uh, the Christian? vision of love. What does real love look like? You're talking about seeking maybe like false idols or images of that love that's really not fulfilling. What What is real love?
1: it's eternal and it's authentic it's forever you know what every girl wants when I talk in chastity talks about this um, I joke about the whole thing of I don't do fear tactics I don't have a face for fear I don't have a body frame for fear I can't really scare many people with anything but what I do know is I know the heart and I know especially the feminine heart so I reach out to people on that level in chastity talks the fact that what every girl wants especially if they're called for the vocation of marriage if for some wonderful man to get down on a knee one day and say I want to give you my forever Mm -hmm. and I think you are worth it and I want to be your forever that's what we want to hear we don't want to hear I want to be your two-week love we don't want that we want a forever love And that's what we deserve. And so that's the authentic love that I'm selling. That's mm-hmm. the love of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that, that's what's attractive about it is because we want that. And to embrace a forever love, it demands temperance. It demands virtue. Mm-hmm. And being and taking into control our bodies, our passions, realizing that God has given us a body with all these things and feelings that are okay mm-hmm. and fine, mm-hmm. but to check Him in place until the right time and place.
0: How... uh you talk also about putting God first as being the source of that forever love, right? Yeah. Practically, what does that look like, putting God first?
1: Well, always to know that Christ will always fulfill us more than any other person will. Another man, another woman, another friend, it doesn't matter. But Christ's love, His salvific love is something that will always fulfill us greater and deeper than anything else can on this, on this earth. So we have to go there to get, to become full. If we choose other people to fill us in that love, to feel fulfilled, to feel like we feel okay, if we have to pick up the phone every single time we have a problem, that's, we need to realize that that might be a problem within us, that we need to just calm ourselves and look to Christ and say, Lord, how can you fix this? Can you help me? And that's putting Christ first always in our life. It's waking up every morning saying, thank you for giving me this day. I, don't, I didn't even deserve it. I didn't even know I was gonna have it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always putting Christ first and allowing Him to have that first place in your life. Um, and then everyone else can come second, and, but it all falls into place.
0: And practically, what do you do like to maintain your spiritual life? What are some of your habits of prayer and things?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I love Our Lady. I love, um, so I always say my daily rosary every day. Um, I attend Mass every morning. I have a wonderful schedule and my uh, job of evangelization, so I I can afford that. Um, So attending Mass every day for me is something that I do. I spend an hour of adoration every day and I have a rosary every day. The rosary I spend every day and the ador- adoration I spend every day is offered up um, for many different intentions, but usually for all the souls that I have worked with and all the souls that I will work with, for the strength to get me through um, this life, for reparation for my past sins, for the sins that I made that day, and for just the thankfulness that God gives me his love, that he gives me his life. Um, The celebration of the Mass still blows me away every morning. Mm -hmm. Every morning just being there being like, you did this for little old Leah. Mm -hmm. All of that. Um, But those three things every day, Mass, Adoration, and the Rosary, that's my staple. If I don't do that, things don't work. Mm -hmm. I notice that if I miss a day, if I miss Mm -hmm. a week, if something happens and I've gone off track, I look back and I realize, oh my gosh, that's, that's it. You left behind the key ingredient and things just start making sense i don't have that clarity in my mind i start getting confused i start looking at things in culture a little differently being like oh well maybe i should do that and i'm like what am i thinking Mm -hmm. so i have to always keep myself in track um just because we have a reversion to the faith or convert to the faith does not mean it's all over Mm -hmm. it's a you know conversion is a wonderful thing but it's a daily thing every day i pray for another conversion to become even more converted to christ Mm -hmm. more closer to him
0: could you talk about the uh, the mass and adoration? What inspired you to do that? Did somebody tell you about it? Did you see it witnessed by a friend, or?
1: Yeah. Well, my uh, my aunt Jan had always gone to daily mass, and she's been a very big spiritual giant in my life. She's really helped me. She was always there even in my life of sin when I was really kind of screwing up and thinking everything was okay. She just stuck with me through the whole time. And uh, she would send me spiritual books. I would never read them, but she would send them. And she would still tell me she loved me, kept up communication. And so, and I noticed she always went to daily mass. And it was just something after my conversion, I realized I want to be like that. She has something I don't have and I want it. And I think maybe if I do that, I could maybe I could get it. And I realized that that was a huge thing. Mm -hmm. And then the hour of adoration uh, was inspired to me by Fulton Sheen, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: How long have you been doing the adoration? How many? I've
1: been doing the hour of adoration. Oh gosh, almost for a year now. Mm. Almost a year. It'll be a year in May that I've I've started that.
0: what have you seen? uh, What have you noticed as a fruit of that? That you say, hey. Something changed in my life due to that.
1: Uh, There is just absolute more joy and peace. Um, Each day I feel like I'm not so worried about all these other things. Going to Adoration is something to where at first I thought, how can I get through 60 minutes? 60 whole minutes. How am I going to keep my attention on Christ the whole time?
0: I'm a model. How could I think?
1: <laughs> I, do I even think? Um, how could I do this, you know? So it started out like that, but then as the time went on, I'm literally in the car excited. And before I look at my watch, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been two and a half hours. Mm. Did I just spend two and a half hours? I couldn't believe it. Mm. And so I just realized I would sit there and talk, and I beca- it just became these conversations. And the more and more I spent with Jesus, the more I was starting to... He was starting to just help me understand him more, mm-hmm. understand his love for me more, understand his love for his children more, and 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 to help me gather strength for the battle that I, I come across when I, when I go out there and speak.
0: How about, uh, have you, like, reaching out to your friends? Do you still have friends that are still in the modeling industry and things that you still keep in contact with?
1: Well, a lot of the friends from my past life I do not keep in contact with anymore. Um, when i made that decision to move away from that life many of those friends were very set on that life and that left a barrier between us and that was one that i was very you know okay with i guess um, i love them i pray for them i wish them uh... I wish them the best, which is Christ. I would hope that they they, they find that soon. I um, hope maybe they're doing that now without even me knowing. But I don't keep in contact with a lot of them. There have been some new friends that I've made who are in the modeling industry. I encourage them to be very careful. Encourage their parents to always be involved. It's a scary business. It's not one that I would recommend. Mm. Um, and to be very, just be very careful with it. There, it, it you, you can do it in a Christian way, but with much Diligence, and you have to be scrupulous to make sure that you are always keeping in mind Christian modesty.
0: Now, what is uh, some of your, your, uh, I don't want to say teachings, but what advice do you give about modesty? What do you usually tell, especially young women, about how to dress modestly?
1: Well, there are some obvious things. I always tell you know, ladies, that we don't have to show all of our woman parts mm-hmm. to prove to the world that we're a woman, like they know we're women you know we don't have to show it all you know so um we need to keep things covered that we know should be covered Mm -hmm. um and uh you know there are things that that are very obvious you know um whenever we're picking out our outfits to make sure that you um Uh, this is a very girly thing but just to make sure that you move in the outfit Mm -hmm. so that when you are bending over and picking up your purse that you're not falling out Mm -hmm. somewhere okay Mm -hmm. and that when you're sitting down in in a seat that your skirts not way high up. These things can be um, these situations can be easily avoided if you just take a little bit more time in the dressing room making sure that this is really the outfit that's going to promote the most dignity of who you are as a woman of God.
0: Can you talk about, uh, you have a love for fashion still, um, talk about how how we should view fashion. What is the purpose of looking nice? How does that fit into our Christianity?
1: Yeah, well, I think that's a little bit of part of the new evangelization that John Paul II really kind of took from the Second Vatican Council and flourished in his papacy, you know, was that, you know, this is Catholicism, you know, and I believe as Mother Teresa said, said something that hol- holiness should always be done with a smile. Something to that regard, I believe. And that's what it is. And, you know, we should, you know, wearing, you know, extremely um, dowdy clothes on purpose and, you know, and, and, and doing this for as a woman, at the same time, that could be an extreme case of maybe not promoting the most dignified manner for a woman that could be debated in that way Um, and so we want to make sure that we are Showcasing the beauty of God's creation. I mean, God created woman in a very special way. I mean, it's kind of funny, but like you see a woman's leg and you see a man's leg, and you know (laughs) what's what's beautiful or not, right? You see a hairy man's leg and a nice, soft woman's leg, and you're like, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful shin, you know. (laughs) And we're just talking about a shin here. God made a woman just beautiful.
0: I know Jason points, Jason Everett points that out. who you work with in Uh his book, and I I thought was a great point that women image the beauty of god in a special way we both mm-hmm. have equal dignity but mm-hmm. both image god in different ways yeah. and, and i think that's an important point to recognize that uh you know young women especially you know have this desire to manifest this beauty you know they're sensitive to and they certainly possess so you want to Cultivate that and respect that in a healthy way, and live that out, right? Absolutely. I mean, because if we don't recognize that call, we're just like we're not really speaking to women if we're talking about modesty.
1: And we're allowing the culture to speak for fashion, and us to say, "Well, you know, just find an old refrigerator box, cut a hole for your head, and two for your arms, and stick your head, you know, stick it through it, and walk to adoration." That no, that's not it, you know. Um, that is not what we are called to do as well. We're called to be respectful of the body God gave us mm-hmm. because this is truly a temple, yeah. but this is a beautiful temple and it's mm-hmm. the temple of God. And so if we can do this in a way that's also showcasing its, its innate beauty of God's creation, mm-hmm. um, a flower, we don't hide the flower when it's growing right. and say, you're just too good. Right. It's making the trees look bad. Right. I'm sorry, roses. <laughs> we have to snip you all and bury you no in fact we plant them we put them in certain places because they're gorgeous they're beautiful right there but the oak tree as big and powerful as it is is still fantastic it's all together and so women with their beauty done in the most uh, dignified way, showing their dignity, their in, embracing their feminine genius as well. You know, uh, that genius of the heart that lets us know our vocation is love. That can all be through dress. It really yeah. can. Yeah.
0: How would you describe that feminine genius? Uh, you're out there. You're a chastity speaker. You might be an author here one day too. Um, you know, you're bringing your gifts as a woman to this battle for chastity and modesty. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the feminine genius?
1: I think the feminine genius is really the genius of the heart. Mm-hmm. This is something within each. It's the feminine heart fully embraced in love of God. Mm-hmm. It is. It explodes with His love to each and every person. It always keeps in mind God and shares that with every with with uh, the woman's neighbor. And our neighbor is every single person our heart reaches out to, not our hands, but our heart, mm-hmm. because our neighbor has got to be more than just who we see. It's got to be more than who we can just write a letter to. And the vocation of a woman, I, I think it's author um, Alice von Hildebrand, who says the vocation of the woman is to love and of course St. Therese of Lisieux, doctor of the church, sweet little Therese also said that too when she was finding out her vocation before she even entered you know the Carmelite monastery she was sitting there I believe before adoration and she realized ah Jesus I realize my vocation is to love this is my vocation and she went out at that moment and changed everything she realized her feminine genius matured at that moment and she realized something so deep within her this is it. It's a call to action. It's a call to action in our culture, um, in a, in the very, in a very particular way that that women can do.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show thank and talking welcome. with us. Thank you, Father. Mm-hmm.